2: My name is Drew Burns and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe that the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe that the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet. While others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist podcast and these are our stories.
1: Welcome to the Feed for Service podcast, Dr. Sonny Sparrow still sitting in for Drew. And we have a very special guest, someone that I approached, oh my goodness, Joanne, how long was it? About six months ago, maybe a year ago. Kind of put something out there said, hey, great story, love to have you. And, she, and then it just, you know, as life gets crazy, then she followed up and said, hey, are we going on that podcast? So we get to have Joanne Block Reef on our show today. She has a fantastic Fantastic story! I can't wait to get into it with her, and uh, she's currently in practice in the Greater Baltimore, Maryland area. And welcome to the show, Dr. Reef Joanne. How are you? Welcome.
0: Thank you. I'm really, I'm really great. I'm excited to be here. It's been a long time. I'm a big fan of the podcast and have been listening to it for a long time. And um, I'm ready to tell my story. I think it'll be fun.
1: It'll be fun. She's also a prolific writer and she's got some things coming up in dental economics this month, right? Which is January 20, 2022. So you will see her in print all over the place and very excited. Her experiences are vast and I think a lot different than a lot of us. So I think we can all learn a lot from Dr. Joanne today. So Joanne, so fill us in. What got you into dentistry? Let's, Let's start at the beginning.
0: Well, I'm a third-generation dentist. My uh-huh. great-uncle was a dentist, graduated from University of Maryland. Then my father graduated from University of Maryland. And then I graduated from University of Maryland Dental School. Um, so it was a little bit in my blood. Um, but when I turned 13, my mother said to me, or my father, or both of them, you know, work, I'm going to pick you up after school, my mother said, and I'm going to take you, I was like in, Junior high, they called it then, not middle school. And my father my mother says, I'm going to take you to dad's office and you're going to work in his office after school one day a week. And I'm like, "Okay, sounds good to me. So I went to my father's office. And of course, I was always hungry. Everyone said I was hungry after school. So my mother would drop me at the corner of a little grocery store. I'd get my little snack, go into dad's office. And back then, he did not have a panorex. And there was no such thing as digital x-rays. and We didn't even have the automatic processor then. They probably weren't even invented. So I would go to the office and the dental assistants would save up all the periapical films in a little drink, the white drinking cups. And they'd all be lined up. Yeah, they would all be lined up there for me in the dark room. So I would go into the dark room and I would develop all these full mouth series from the entire week. And then I'd mount them. So from the age 13, I knew how to mount dental x-rays when I finished that then the women would have me go into the operatories and stock all the rooms with all the disposables so I got to do that then it was getting later in the afternoon dad wasn't ready to, to finish up the day yet so I would go into his private office with I think they were like the five and a half by eight index cards they were oversized index cards that was the recall system and it went January through December so I would go to the next month, whatever it was be that the patients were due. Let's say it was January and I take out all the cards from January and I would call all those patients. We had the paper appointment book and I would make patient appointments. My mother was office manager. I don't know if she was office manager when I was 13, but when I got a little bit older, she came to work in the office. Um, so I learned so much from my mother to this day about how to schedule so that's sort of my forte I know how to really work a dental schedule but these were the kinds of things that I did starting at age 13 then when I turned 18 it was time to go to college and my father says what do you want to do I'm going to pay for you to go to college the only thing you can't do is you can't be a school teacher because school teachers are a dime a dozen (laughs) so I had worked in his office so I said well I'll be a dental hygienist so, Maryland University of Maryland has a bachelor's program, but you have to go to College Park or one of the other campuses for 2 years and then downtown to the dental school for 2 years. And I really wanted the four-year education in the same place. I didn't want to be hopping around. So, wait, wait, I
1: looked for four, four years for dental hygiene?
0: Yeah, I got a bachelor's, yeah. So
1: it's four okay. years. Okay. I
0: wanted the four-year college experience.
1: Great. Okay.
0: And there was, you know, there's a bachelor's in dental hygiene. So, Lo and behold, where do I end up? University of Rhode Island. They had a four-year bachelor in dental hygiene program, very small program. I think there were maybe 14, 16 of us in the class. It was a 12-chair clinic in the basement of one of the buildings at the the university. And so we did, you know, the basic sciences for two years, and then I was in the clinic for two years. And my father was always saying to me, why don't you go to dental school? Why don't you go to dental school? Yeah, Mm -hmm. And I said, no, 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 no. I don't think I want to do that. So come junior year in hygiene, when I'm in the clinic, I said, I don't think I want to be a dental hygienist. I think I want to go to dental school.
1: Okay.
0: So to do that, I reached out to University of Maryland and other schools and I found out what I needed to take because dental hygienists, when they take organic chemistry, inorganic chemistry, it's one semester dental school. It's two semesters.
1: semesters, Yep.
0: So, I didn't have enough organic, inorganic. I didn't have physics. So, I had to take all this. So, I went to summer school two summers between the junior year and then senior year and first year of dental school. And I had to take one evening class when I was in college. So, actually, when I applied to Maryland and other schools, um, I did get into a few other schools besides Maryland, but I knew after being away for four years in state tuition, I was ready to come home to Maryland. I got into University of Maryland, did not have physics, and they said to me, you need to take it this summer before you come to dental school. Take it anywhere, just pass. So I went to a community college. Just pass. So I went to community, wait, it gets better. I went to community college and they had open book exams for that summer. So I passed. I can tell you right now,
1: anybody listening to this who's who's had a hard time, is probably throwing their sneaker at, the, <laughs> at their at their device. They
0: might be throwing a lot of stuff at me by the time <laughs> this is over. All
1: right, keep going, this is great.
0: So meanwhile, let's regress just a tad. So I, I'm applying to dental school.
2: Uh-huh. So I
0: go to the head of the program of the dental hygiene department and she was a elderly woman. Even I'm sure she's not alive to this day and um, very strict, very to the, I mean, we couldn't have any nail. We had a clear nail polish, no makeup, no jewelry, certain amount of eyelets on the shoes, the little caps and all that, you know, Um, and I said to her, I'm not going to be in class Friday. And we always say quizzes on Friday. I decided to apply to dental school and I have an interview at the University of Maryland. She said, well, you're going to get in because most dentists are stupid anyway. That's what she said to me. And she said said to me, if you're not here Friday, you will fail the quiz. And I did.
2: The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team.
1: So. Well, yep. I, I had someone, it. I had a, an experience in dental school. I had a, uh, our biggest, our biggest um, nutcracker class was uh crown and bridge sophomore year. And that was the make or break class that would hold you back if you didn't pass it. So our instructor who ran it for years, Dr. Jane Brewer was pregnant with twins. And she was having some issues, so they brought in a, a substitute. And, all oh, this guy, the power went right to his head. And I, I said, my college team that I played for was going to the final four for basketball. And I said, I have a chance to go to the, to the tournament in New Orleans. And our class was Monday. And I said, and if they make it to the championship game, I'm going to miss class Monday. And, you know, if you have a quiz or anything, I hope you don't have a pop quiz, but if you do, I would be happy to take it right now and just, just, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Oh, no, no, don't worry about it. Sure enough. He did the, he did the quiz and sure enough, I got a zero for not being there. That's a power trip. I'm telling you, unfortunately some of these people are in power trips and, and you, you experience the same thing. So, so, but that couldn't have ruined it. That probably just, you know, bumped your grade down a little bit or something.
0: Exactly. Well, the, the back story is this woman, this head of this program, when she was in hygiene school, she sat next to Esther Wilkins. Do you know who Esther Wilkins is?
1: Name sounds very familiar. Like
0: she she passed away at about 100, not too many years ago. I think she was about 100. Um, she wrote the book on dental hygiene, which they've had many, many, many uh, revisions of this book over the year. It's the Bible for dental hygienists. Because after hygiene school, she went to dental school and then period school. She's a, she was a periodontist. And I think the head of our program, there was maybe some jealousy there. Sure. And I think she kind of took it out on me. That's what I think. But anyway, I got into University of Maryland Dental School, walked in the first day. And our class, we still had a third females in our class. I think our class was about 112 or something. There were a third of females. And I'd say about a well, you- third of them.
1: What year did you graduate? Sorry, 86. 86. So you were just before me. Okay. I graduated 89. Okay. All right. Yeah.
0: So we had a third women in our class. And of the third, about a third of those women were hygienists.
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: And a lot of us had fathers who were dentists. And a lot of the guys in my class had fathers who were dentists. Um, I don't know. It's common now, but it was it was common back then also. Um, So the first day I walk in, um, you know, I was 22 years old and whoever was there to greet us pointed to one way for me to go to hygiene. I said, no, no, no. I've been there, done that. I belong in dental school. And um, it was hard for me because I didn't have the strongest science background. I had never had biochemistry. All the guys had biochem. So and you said crown and bridge was the make or break class actually for us it was treatment planning just really yeah treatment planning
1: we didn't even have a class in treatment planning
0: oh it was a big
1: deal we didn't even have a class in it you kind of learned it as you went so wow yeah
0: so anyway i went to university of maryland dental school graduated in 86 and um when I was there, I, I treated a lot of kids and I won the award in pediatric dentistry and the school asked me to please apply and go into pediatrics. And I said, no, no, no dental school was my residency. I'm done. Uh Um, and so I went to work with my father part-time because he didn't have, you know, he hadn't, hadn't had an associate maybe once a gazillion years before that, but he didn't have an associate. And so to bring me in full-time would have been a little challenging. Plus, I lived a, a, a distance from the office. Okay. I was living in Baltimore. His practice was in Annapolis. So it was not close. It's an hour okay. drive, and that's without traffic. Okay. So I went to work for him part-time. I was still not married. And I worked for other people part-time, someone like who, someone I'd worked for as a hygienist. Uh, all through dental school, on weekends, holidays, summers, uh, I worked as a hygienist. And I made, you know, decent money, so... You know, it, it worked out well for me. Um, So I went to work with Dad, and my mother was working there. Like I said, as the office manager. So our sign outside was Stanley E. Block, Joanne, and Block. You know, DDS, whatever family dentistry. We really meant it because it was my father, my mother, myself, and it's Stan, Fran, Joanne. You, so he you was.
1: Doctor- did, you did not do hygiene with your father, correct? You did hygiene on the weekend elsewhere. Right, I got that. Yeah, in right. the
0: summers, I think I helped him out or whatever. But yeah, I, I worked for like temp agencies doing hygiene all over. Okay. In fact, between my junior no, between my sophomore and junior year in college, I went out to College Park and lived there one summer, and I worked for Dental Power, which was one of the first I think temp agencies out there, and they placed me were doing dental assisting and dental reception work all over Northern Virginia and the DC area. So I really saw a lot of offices at an early stage of my career. Mm-hmm. In fact, one day the woman from Dental Power said, "We're really short of help in the office. Would you please come to the office, the Dental Power office and answer our phones and place other people for assisting in whatever position." So I even did that. So I really seen a lot and you know, early on in my in my career. So yes, I did a lot of temp assisting for a lot of dentists. I worked on Saturdays as a hygienist, excuse me, temp uh, hygiene. I worked on Saturdays as a hygienist um, in different offices. So when I went in with dad, a lot of the patients knew me. Um, And sometimes I did hygiene at dad's office if I needed to, and then did the restorations and, Mm -hmm you know, back then we were mainly doing amalgams. We weren't doing any posterior composites. So dad had me start just doing quadrants and quadrants of class one amalgams and then class two amalgams. So I really, that was really my residency. Okay. Yeah. So again, then I met my husband. We did not want to move to Annapolis. So I was still doing this commute. And then when I had got pregnant with my first child, which was 1991, I graduated in '86, so about five years later, I decided to stop the other part-time associates that I had had over the years and just work with Dad. But again, I was commuting, and you know, luckily my husband was more flexible and helped out a lot. We always had, you know, live-in nannies, so we made it work. So I practiced with my father for and my mother for 18 years.
1: Oh, well, that's fantastic!
0: 18 years as an associate. I mean, which, I mean, nowadays it's like unheard of. 18 years, but dad paid me very well. I will say that. Um, I also had no loans, but you know, this was a different, different time, right? Sunny, sure. you know, different sure. time. But I but my father, mother went away a lot. A lot, uh, you know, quite a bit. They would go away two weeks in the winter, two weeks in the summer. And when they went away, I worked six days a week. I covered that office. And um, otherwise, I usually worked. I think I usually worked like Monday through Thursday. I think was my typical. Sometimes maybe every other Saturday morning or something.
2: Um, But I did that. But over
0: the years, I you know looked around and I looked for potential spaces to you know do a startup or something near my office. But I always got cold feet. Never happened. And then 18 years into practice, which was about the end of 2004, beginning of 2005, someone reached out to me, um, someone that I kind of knew through Alpha Omega Dental Fraternity, and said, I have two offices. I want to sell my practice, which was literally seven minutes from my house and seven minutes from my kid's school, like smack in the middle. I have a small practice. I want to focus, I went to LVI, this, this other dentist went to LVI. I want to focus on my boutique LVI practice and I would like to sell this one. But there's another dentist who's in the office, she shares space, I own it, she rents you know, for me, and she doesn't want to take this whole office. So I'm looking for someone to buy my patients and then you and this other doctor would purchase the equipment and everything together. Well, that sounded pretty good to me. So he had 800 patients supposedly of record.
1: And, I, hear, I, hear, yeah, I heard that. I heard that supposedly. Go ahead.
0: We're gonna get into that.
1: Yeah, supposedly <laughs> so
0: 800 patients. He did have a much older gentleman who was the associate originally. Back in the day, the older man owned it, and the younger one who was trying to sell it was the associate. But they switched roles, you know, many years <laughs> into it. Sure. So the older gentleman was of older than retirement age. He was an older gentleman. And the guy who I wanted to purchase his practice from said, you know, a lot of his patients are family. He doesn't get them to pay. A lot of things. He's not the greatest. I don't think you want to keep him on. And I did not know how busy I was going to be. And here I'm a hygienist. So I didn't keep, I don't think I could keep the hygienist. I think maybe the hygienist was going to work with him. So I didn't have a hygienist. I let this dentist not work with me um, and i took over this half of this office space so i had two operatories with the thinking that i would use a fifth one later because there was five operatories so the other doctor had two another female doctor i had two. Um, go into this practice december of 2004 well the older dentist before i came there he knew i was coming He copied down all the names of his 200 patients out of the 800, and he went to practice across the street, had no covenant not to compete, and 200 of the 800 within the first few weeks walked across the street with him. Then some of the patients, of the the other 600, some of them followed the other dentist because his practice wasn't that far. It was maybe 35 minutes away. Long story short. The 800 patients became 200 patients very quickly. And the other woman that I was sharing space with, we had totally different philosophies. And it worked great for about the first day. After the first day, the writing was on the wall. And I had a six-year
1: lease. Now, wait, wait. The the, uh, the other woman that you are supposed to be sharing space with went across the street, you said, right?
0: No, no. Now, I bought a practice from a man. I bought the patients, but she was already there. So we bought together all the equipment. Right. He had an older gentleman dentist working for him. Okay. The older gentleman dentist went across the street.
1: So he stole the records and went across the street. Yes. He didn't have. She any had legal- her own practice.
0: She, but he didn't she have had legal- like
1: a- He didn't have any legal claim or right to do that. He just went ahead and did that. Yes, that's a dirt bag. I reached out uh to a
0: cousin of mine who's a healthcare attorney. I said, "Did he break HIPAA?" She says the patients would have to complain. You can't, you know, they patients.
1: Yeah, it's just it's a it's a really a crappy thing to do to anybody. It's just so unprofessional. But you know, to to fight it, it is just absolutely not worth it. So anyway, so 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 I got it now. So that was essentially the associate in the practice. Yes, right, the former owner associate. He goes across the street. Um, cause he wants to stick it to you. And, uh, so you bought, you know, the sleeves out of somebody's vest for the most part. And now you're there and you have 200 patients for sure, approximately in that ballpark. Right? Yes. So about a quarter of what you were purchasing.
0: Yes. So I, he, he was trying to create this LVI practice, the, the man I bought it from. So he was in that with a little bit. So I get nervous and dad was a network with everything. So I start signing up for every insurance out there. Gotcha. Not HMOs. Uh, every PPO I, I could. Yeah. And yeah, that's what I did. And I started fixing up the office. My operatories, I paid for everything because the other woman didn't care. She didn't want to do anything. She had her HMO patients. That's all she cared about. And I took over the fifth operatory and fix that up. I fixed up the powder room. I put new carpet. I did everything I could to make this practice look nicer because I knew I had to build this practice. And I had six years on this lease with this woman. And we actually had one phone system, one number, and my patients were getting stolen by her New patients were coming in. Her receptionist thought they were for them. They put together a chart and they saw my patients and I'm looking, where's my patient? And I call her. She says, I just came and went. The other dentist stole the chart and took the new patient. It was a disaster. Mm -hmm. It was just not good.
1: How long did that person stay in that practice with you? How soon did you get had a
0: six-year lease. So So after five years, I approached her about buying her out, but the money that she wanted was ridiculous. I could build my own brand new practice, yeah. which I did. I built across the street.
1: Is this wait, 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 across the street? Is this in the same spot where the other fellow went?
0: The other side of the street. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> the street. He was streak. he, he okay. was deceased by then.
1: Yeah. A lot was of say, you know, like so so you had to have at some point in time, they probably some of them probably migrated back, I would think
0: unfortunately not it was a big um dso kind of by then they had sold to a dso Uh, not well i shouldn't say that by the time i moved to the new office which i'll get into a minute i hired a hygienist from that practice where the man took my 200 patients i hired a hygienist i put an ad in a local jewish magazine in our area with her picture that she was now at my practice and we got Lots and lots of patients to come from that same practice that did come back with her.
1: Uh-huh. Okay. So well, I guess what
0: goes around comes around.
1: Kind yeah. Of so you you stayed, you stuck it out with this other you could use whatever adjective you want, but this other doctor that you were in, in practice with space five years. for five years. That had to be just torture. It
0: was miserable. Things were, I mean, she was taking things from me. Um
1: childish. Well, my
0: husband said, listen, we are going to split everything we can. So I got, at the time I had soft dent. I bought my own soft dent. I had to give it to her. She wasn't going to pay for it. I had, um, we did have to share the panorex, everything that we could split. We got a new phone system. We got a new fax. We got everything that we could split. We started to split fairly early on to make the transition easier. I mean, I could write a book on the things that went on, you know, sharing space with this woman. It just it was incredible. She would take a patient who would come in and ask them to come answer her phone and file for her. I mean, file charts for her. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> but anyway, I so after five years, you know, I have a dental CPA who was a friend of mine at the time, but I hired him to, you know, work with me. And he said to me, a year, you know. 5 years into this 6 year lease you got to find a space and you got to plan to move. Mm-hmm. So I did find Absolutely. in the same complex and it's a medical complex. You know, mm-hmm. not great signage, but it's a med- everyone knows that the best doctors are in this complex so I wanted to stay there. And I branded myself as Crossroads Dental Arts because I was in a complex called Crossroads. So I moved, so I build this office across the street next to the busiest oral surgeons in this probably in the in the city very busy oral surgeons, and I take the space right next to them. It was 1,700 square feet, so we did five operatories. It was a little lean. It was a little, sk- you know, not, not the most roomy operatories.
1: And be a little and tight, no, yep, yep.
0: No consult room, you know, but yep. it was a beautiful practice. By And I was doing all my own hygiene at the other office. And then we started to hire a uh, part-time hygienist when I took over the third operatory there. When I moved across the street, we got a full-time hygienist, then I got busy enough to have one and a half hygienists, and meanwhile, I'm starting to market. I even oh, I was doing a lot of marketing even at the old office, but I started to have a passion for marketing and tried lots of things. I can't say I ever really wasted money because I think everything I did, mm-hmm. I you know was a value. I did grow the yeah. practice.
1: It wasn't low. You didn't lose. You learn. You know. So. Yes.
0: Yes. Um, so then I so I built this office. So we moved in like 2010. And then I started to need an associate because again, we're growing and growing. And then we start going out of network with some of the insurances very slowly, very strategically. Um, And that was around the recession time, but we, we, we did it anyway. And um, again, I'm marketing and I'm growing and trying, you know, we've got a marketing company and all that kind of stuff. And then by then we had like two full-time hygienists and I, Started to hire a part-time associate, then a full-time associate, then a couple years later, maybe three years later. So now it's about 2013. My office was on the end of a building. The surgeons are next door to me. There's nowhere for me to grow. I can't move. Yeah, you're, you're, and you're sur- right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the surgeons wanted some space. Yep. So across the hall from me mm-hmm. was Valpac, the coupon people. Okay. And they decided they had telemarketers and they didn't have any of that anymore. So they didn't need all their space. They had a lot of space. So they moved downstairs and took a much smaller space. So one night, I'm middle of the night, I thought to myself, what if I talk to the landlord and see if I can use the end of the hallway, pay them for that to be part of my waiting room, and break through and make my office a longer office and break through across the hall Mm -hmm. well lo and behold it happened Mm -hmm. it worked out but they said to me you have to take x amount of space and it was going to be a very large office and I didn't think I was ever going to need that much space so I started talking to the surgeons next door and they said well Right up against our office, what what do you have there that's next to our office? I said, well, it's the lunchroom, it's the staff bathroom, it's the lab, it's my private office. It's no operatories, because that's where your money is when you have to break up the ground and you know build operatories, because I built out everything. They said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't we take over whatever amount of space that non-clinical space is, which was 450 square feet. We'll mm-hmm. take that over. And then you'll build out into your new space and we'll pay to do all the build out and electric and everything for those. My new off, my new private office, my new staff bathroom, my lunchroom and um, the lab. I said, OK. So that's what happened. So that the surgeons paid for some of the build out down there. So we went from 1,700 square feet to 2,700 square feet. Yep. We had eight operatories. Then three new operatories are much bigger. We have a consult room, much bigger lunch room, much bigger private office. You know, we have a staff bathroom and a patient bathroom because there's no bathroom in our hallway, unfortunately. Um, and it worked. It happened. And so that's where I've been since 2000 and about 13 when we know did that and so i've been having full-time associates over the years unfortunately i've had really bad luck with associates um just has not most of it just has not worked out it's really been a shame however once COVID happened i had a part-time associate who was coming on more full time once COVID happened she says i'm gonna come i'm gonna help you i'm I'm gonna come on full-time And we're going to make this work. And I said, well, that's great, but I think I'm going to hire a part time also. And I'm going to start to cut back because this is, you know, I was high risk at that time. I was 59 or whatever. Yeah, I guess 59, 60 years old. I'm high risk, higher risk. Um, And I'm going to, you know, cut back a little bit. So, no sooner did I hire the part time associate, the full time decided to buy her own practice. I had no clue. And within no time, she's gone. The new part time associate came on full time. Within no time, and I hired another part time. Within no time, she goes to endo school. And you know, when these things happen, they don't give you any notice. I'm leaving in a month. So now that part-time associate is full-time and we're, we just hired another part-time associate. So I have been, since June, I have been working four days a week again, but now we have 3000 new patients, not, it should be 3000 patients. So the 800 went to 200. We're back at about 3000 patients.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, we have a great marketing company. Things are, you know, going really well. Um, yeah. and that's kind of my story, but, um, one thing I wanted to kind of touch on is that 2000 and we've grown every year, every year we've had growth. It's, you know, it's been hard work. I work probably more on my practice, even than I do in the practice. I've written articles about that and things that I do behind the scenes. Um, and I, cause I have a passion for the business of dentistry. I have a passion for managing and I think it's all due to my youth when I learned how to do certain things, which are still work today, uh, maybe a little differently, but a lot of the same things still work. Um, but in 2020, when we shut down for two months, um, we really got the ball rolling. I worked night and day at home. I didn't sit home watching Netflix. I worked really hard on my practice and came back full force. And I cut back, had one full-time associate one part-time and we actually did a little better in 2020 than we did in 2019. So if we'd been open those two months, you can imagine the growth we would have had.
1: So So meanwhile, we just go ahead. So let me ask you a question through this transition here, because you've, you've covered, you've spanned a pretty big, big chunk of life that probably some people may never experience. So 35 years. Yeah. Well, no, just just the period that you covered there. So in that time where right. you were, I've been practicing you bought the practice, you found out you bought, you know, essentially, like I said, the sleeves out of the vest, you know, and, and okay. So now you have to build a practice. You join a whole bunch of, you know, insurance plans. Let's talk about how the business happened, right? So you went and you lived with, you know, Godzilla, the dentist that you shared space with, and you grew your practice to the point where you had the third room and you did it your way. When did you start to make any changes to your business practices in the first location?
0: Well, I really focused on learning the business of dentistry. I went and took, I've taken classes from every business coach, every Consult I've taken, I think from everybody out there. And when you go to these courses, as you know, you learn one or two things that you're going to take home with you. And you're going to put that into your practice. And I really learned to look at my numbers. I meet with my, um, dental CPA twice a year at minimum, speak to him other times. I follow a lot of things he recommended. Um, I was using a marketing company that was working for a while. We've now since changed right before COVID. I have a fabulous new marketing company that's really bringing in quality, good new patients and a a lot of new patients. And again, we started again moving towards um, going out of network. Um, And more recently in the past, let's say four years, I've started doing a tremendous amount of branding and social media marketing. Uh, again, I'm doing
1: most of that myself. Um, okay, so I, when you when you were in that space, though, because you said the first thing you did was you signed up for all these plans.
0: Right, we're going did back to yeah, Did
1: you did you stay Did you stay in that space in that in that business space right then for those five years? Did you stay right there and just try to work that and grow that in that business entity, meaning continuing to take all those insurance plans?
0: Yes, I think I didn't start going out of network till we moved into the new office. We moved into a new office in 2010, so it was probably around—I don't know—within a year or two of that, we started to go out of network. We went. I think we chipped away and went. Aetna was the first one, then Met Life, and we sort of then Delta. So we've chipped away, and then there, we've had a lull of not going out of network for a long time, and then just recently. When we got the Cigna letter, I guess you know about the Signa letter that a lot of dentists got. So they cut my fees 30%. Yep. And so I looked at all my fees and compared the top 20 procedures that we do and looked at all the numbers. And I just went out of network December with three other, two of the three were very small number of patients, mm-hmm. but Cigna was a decent amount. Cigna, we probably had 250, 300 patients. So we have gone out a network with Cigna now, and um, so we're at a network with a lot—not all. Blue Cross in in our area is huge, and United Concordia is huge. So those are the two big ones that we have. The rest are little.
1: So let me ask you this: So as do you share? Do you care to share some of your numbers? Like what did you see your practice grow in that one little space when you had the two hundred, like the two hundred? Okay.
0: Yeah, so that year, my first year, I did four. I netted four hundred thousand dollars,
1: and so I growth? was.
0: Pro-
1: what you grow? I
0: collected. Money. I collected four hundred thousand, okay. yeah. and I probably had a fifty percent overhead then.
1: Okay. So this is bad for just buying it. That's not bad at all.
0: I, well, you have to remember that was two thousand and five.
1: Right, but just purchasing it and having one fourth of what you expected to own. And I was yeah, thrilled. That's, that's yeah, that's pretty doggone good. I, I was expecting it to be way less. I'm sorry, but I was
0: thrilled. On. We have to remember again. I was a hygienist, so I and I was doing most of my own hygiene. So I am very capable and and work pretty fast. And I could do the Profi and then say, look, number nineteen needs to be replaced and whatever. Do that filling and that visit. I really know how to manage my time and I know how to manage a schedule.
2: Uh-huh. So you
0: know, and then. And then from there, the practice is just every year was 20% growth and 20 and then 15, 25. And um, so like fast forward a little bit, and you may want to go back a little bit, but fast forward. So 2020, we did just a little bit better than 2019 being closed for the two months. So one thing I did. And then I'm going to tell you about 2021. So I was on social media and I saw um, someone I knew from my gym. She owns a hair salon. And she dressed in her PPE during that two-month shutdown. Her the, her clients didn't have their hair colored. Right. So she decides to go outside of her salon and have people drive up. And she's in full PPE. And she sold them hair color so they could color their hair at home.
1: Right. Yep.
0: And I thought to myself, I don't wanna sell anything, but what can I do for my patients and my community during this period to help them with their oral hygiene? Cause some of them may be really behind in their hygiene visits, or maybe just, they were just due, or maybe they have other, whatever it is, they're, they're overdue or they're due. And who knows when we open, when they're gonna get in. And these were not all just my patients. These, this was the community. So I came up with this idea and I reached out to a couple people who were in PR. And one of them, in fact, she didn't even charge me, which I could not believe, but I did send her something after the fact. She thought it was a great idea what I wanted to do. And what I did was, I. there's a couple different companies that sell a product that patients or anybody can buy at the drugstore or the grocery store. And what it is, it's a It's actually a dental mirror plastic, a plastic scaler where the ends are metal, but they're not the kind of metal that we're using, and like a rubber tip. And it comes in a nice packaging. And I bought these like kind of like a wholesale price. I was able to get them through, I think it was Walmart. Really, really inexpensive. I bought really nice bags with tissue. I put my branded logo on it. I put some other dental swag for my practice and made hundreds of these bags. This is all while we were shut down. She got me on two TV stations, a radio station, and two local publications in our area, like business publications. She got me on TV from my home talking about the project. We called it Crossroads Cares because my office is called Crossroads Dental Arts. The other one came live on Friday afternoon and filmed us and put us on TV the next day. And the other TV station interviewed me early Saturday morning. And then we did the project again Saturday afternoon. So we did Friday afternoon, Saturday morning, sent emails to all our patients were on TV. So Friday, people didn't know much about it. So it was mostly my friends that came and some of our patients. So we didn't give away that many, but then I got on TV that night and then the other TV station that morning. So I go to the office to start getting ready on this Saturday morning, which was, I guess it was like mid-May, second or third week of May, 2020. And my husband comes to help me. He's going to help me set up an easel outside with some information about the practice. And he drives up and it's about a half an hour before we're supposed to have patients start or people start coming around. He says, have you looked out the window? I said, no, why? He says, The cars are wrapped around for several blocks waiting to get these kids. And not only was it a good gesture for the community, but it put me on the map big time to the tune that yesterday I got a phone call. We're now 18 months after that. I got a phone call yesterday from a woman in her 70s, has a really bad toothache. She came and got one of those kits and has had my card ever since and has procrastinated. Mm -hmm. So we've been dribbling in patients for 18 months from this project. And as you know, those patients were for other patients that were for other patients. So it was a really big win-win. And that's in one of the articles that I wrote for dental economics. It talks a lot about crossroads cares. I just, I, I got, I guess, relief. Fortunate that I found this woman who was able to get all this PR for me, and um, it it was great. So then 2020 rolls around, and um, we we actually actually when it came back after COVID, my office manager who had been with me for 13 years refused to come back in the office. She wanted to work from home, and I put my foot down, and she quit. And she held all the keys to the kingdom. So went through a really bad time when we uh, reopened. But quickly I pivoted. I found a Dentrix trainer because we use Dentrix, a Dentrix trainer to come in and teach my staff and help us with systems and help us use Dentrix. And to this day, so it's now been a year and a half, she still comes once a week to help us with projects that either our, my team doesn't know how to do, can't do, we don't have time to do. So that's been a real win-win. But our 2021, we were up, our collections were up 35% over 2020 and
1: 2019. But you said 2020 was was up over 2019. Just a little bit. So in spite of being out 1-6, let's call it 18%, you're 18% less time in the office, you lost a key valuable employee who had the keys to the kingdom, and you still not only survived, you thrived. So we did. Kudos, kudos to you. So let's go back to... The numbers just for a second so just just to get some perspective because in you're fact growing...
0: I, have, I have a p and l here in case you Well, oh, no,
1: yeah i'd yeah, be appreciate that but going back to if you know just off the top of your head even you went from a four hundred thousand dollar initial baby practice to where were you after five years of dealing with you know a partner from from hell for how what were, do you know where you were at numbers wise there did you grow the practice um, to six seven hundred where did you do
0: I think it was more than that.
1: So you I think, doubled it, I,
0: I would yeah, I would say probably around the 800 um okay. and then once I took it at associate that we bumped up over a million um am I allowed to say what I what I did this year? I don't know if it's something. Yeah, I'm absolutely.
1: Gonna... So but you but but in f- in 5 years there, so then you moved to the place across the street where you're at. That's crossroads now, right? Yes. So before you do any renovation, now you got it going pretty well um, compared to where you were. And sure, you want to go through, your, if you want to go through 19, 2021, 20, yeah, I'd be happy to talk about where you're at. Yeah. So um, 2020 and, and,
0: excuse me, 2019 and 2020, uh, we did in the 1.7 ish, one, 1 point, about 1.7, both those years. Um, this year, we did
1: almost 2.2. Mm-hmm. So, right, a 400000 growth 500000 growth on 100 it's almost, you know, It's almost another 25% growth, right? Yes. If, if I got my numbers right, 1.
0: Well, my, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I told you exactly, but it was 35%. So maybe yeah. I did one. I'm sorry, but it's probably 1.6 in 2019 and 2020. We 1.6. This year, 2 point, almost 2.2. 2.
1: That's great. That's great. And you are, when did you start to slow down? That's,
0: that's a two doctor practice, basically. Yeah. Basically, two doctors. So I work four days. My associate works four and a half and two full time hygienists, two part time hygienists.
1: Right. And how much do you overlap in those days? How much what? How much do you overlap? Because only seven days a week, so how much do you guys overlap in Oh, three?
0: four days. We're there on there Monday through Thursday. She's there Monday through Thursday, but she wants to work Fridays. Fridays we do well. It's like an eight to two day straight, so six hours.
1: Oh, okay, so you really you're not talking Saturdays or Sundays. You're just yeah, based, right? no, no, no. Mm-hmm. So too, well, you have eight eight rooms, right? So what's your staff like? What have you? What have, let's talk about your staff. What did you have when you first started? You said you were doing your hygiene, so you probably had an assistant and a front desk person. Maybe that's it. Yes. Right? So to where were you at by the time you left there?
0: Well, uh, the woman who had been, became my office manager for 13 years actually worked for the, the dentist I was sharing the space with, believe it or not. Yeah. And that was hell for her. She quit. And then I called her because I was in a pinch because the person I had at the front desk went on maternity leave. I said, can you come help for a few days? Well, that went became
1: 13 years. So, so when years. you so when you left that space though, you had an office manager now.
0: No, she was the front, desk, front, front desk, an front and desk, and maybe,
1: assistant. Front desk and maybe a part-time
0: hygienist. Part-time
1: hygienist. So you doubled your practice. You really didn't grow your staff that that big. Now you move across the street and you had five. If you said five operatories initially, right? Yes. And did your staff change? had to change a little bit when you moved into that space. I would oh say. yeah, oh yeah. What, is, yeah, what, is your, what does your staff look like now? What, is, what does your team look like now?
0: We have, each doctor has two assistants. So we have four assistants. Okay. And right now we're in the process of hiring a floater for the hygiene and overflow and all that. We've had that in the past. Uh, but as you know, girl, it's though. been really, I mean, I well, have that's, staff that's, that's been with me a while.
1: But That job we have, itself though, that job itself is just a hard job to keep. But anyway, keep going. So you yes. Have, Two, yes. Four full-time assistants. You're gonna be hiring a fifth assistant, we'll call it, right? Yeah. I mean, and we've had time. a
0: lot of staff changeovers with the assistants due yeah, to COVID. Four, I mean four,
1: four full-time hygienists, you said, right?
0: No, two full-time, two hygienists work four days.
1: Okay. I'm sorry.
0: And one works two days.
1: Okay, so so okay, that's five plus two plus a half. Right, so you're at seven and a half. How, how about your business team? How many people? We
0: had a fourth hygienist on Fridays, but she's now going to be decided not to work on Fridays. So the so we're we're going to have three hygien, you know, two full time and one part time.
1: Okay. How about your business team? How many people in the front?
0: I have now someone who was at the front desk has become my new office manager,
2: uh-huh. and then
0: I have two people at the front, and we could really use someone entry level to do some scanning and that you know so
1: so you have you have a team now of uh my math is right about 10 you know five five plus my associate plus the
0: dentrix trainer comes once a week
1: and so yeah so so your staff of two has grown to a staff of we'll 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 just round it up we'll say 12 count the doctors And your practice has gone up from 400 to 2.3, 2.2. So, you know, anybody that, because there are people that try to figure, well, for every 100,000 in production, you got to add this many team members. I don't really buy into those things. I I think it has so so many more factors to do with how you practice. Talk a little bit about migrating out of the insurances. We got a few minutes to go here. So when when you started to move out, you said you started to drop insurances, What was your strategy when you did that? How did you and how did you go about doing that?
0: Well, I'm I'm drawing a blank on his name. I really wish I could think of it, but there's there's a consultant, and that's his forte, and he helps you go out and network with insurances. And I'm I'm embarrassed that I can't think of the name of his company and what his name is. But I hired him way back when, and he flew out from the Midwest and spent. Is that the
1: first consultant you've ever hired?
0: Uh, I would say yes. Okay. But I only hired him for this project.
1: Sure. Mm-hmm.
0: And cause he had to sort of brainwash my team or unbrainwash. My, I should say, but my team felt like everybody was poor. No one could afford dentistry. And That's he great. had to really spend a day explaining to them why we need to do this. Uh-huh. And then, um, he strategically looked at all my insurances and, um, Explained to me, you know, we showed how many patients we have and what they were paying on every procedure and decided what was the first or the lowest hanging fruit. What do we have to get rid of first? Or sure. we get to do second? And we did it very slowly one this year, one another year and a half, another, you know, and then it's been a lull for a while. And then we just did three more. So we're out of network with probably seven. Like I said, we have two big ones, Blue Cross, and United Concordia, and then a few little ones, the Humana, Gihai, United Healthcare kinds of things.
1: United Concordia. So, But we
0: do have a membership plan. Yep. And we've had that for a long time. And my ex office manager developed it with me. And we had a really hard time finding an attorney in Maryland to dot our I's and cross our T's on that.
1: You gotta be kidding me.
0: No, we had a really hard time finally so, found somebody because my husband is all about lawyering up. So we we made sure that this was not an insurance.
1: Right. Company, yeah, you know, I mean, right? we did the same thing. We but what, what I did is I called the New York State Dental Association, spoke to my people there, and they said, "Okay, here's here's an attorney we work with." So and it was happened to be a guy that I knew. So we worked with him and he was actually his wife was sick, dying at the time it was delayed. We wanted it done, you know, before the end of the year so we could roll it out beginning of the next year. And uh, he was great. The only thing we didn't listen to him, he wanted me to put a cap on it, like a, a yearly maximum. And I said, no, hell no. So that was the only thing that we disagreed But But he was pretty straightforward. I think they just, it's overblown. But you do want to make sure within your state that it's legal and it's not something that you're posing as an insurance plan, 100%.
0: Well, you know, that, I don't know what New York is like compared to Maryland. But Maryland is yeah, a, a very guess. conservative state. Yeah. Our assistants actually, it, hopefully, it's going to be changing very soon. But our assistants can't polish, and you know, tell teeth, nothing like that. So I did the same thing. I called the Maryland State Dental Association, and I called the State Board of Dental Examiners, and both of them said we don't know anybody.
1: It's not like you're asking them to endorse it. You're asking them for a reference for a lawyer. You can't tell me they don't have an attorney that they use. Or even your malpractice care. My malpractice care I've had to talk to when I had a, you know, you have an unhappy denture patient or whatever it is. And, you know, you're just like, well, what are we going to do here? So, um, anyway, I just, they just, they just make things too complicated. So, you started the membership plan. That's worked well for you. Yeah, we have
0: about 200
1: patients. How did you, Uh, let me ask you this. How did you go about when you, when you decided, when this consultant said, listen, here's the little hanging fruit. Here's the first, what was your implementation plan? How did you do it? How did you drop, how did you drop your first plan? What did you do?
0: We we approached the insurance company. We said, we're giving our 90 days and you know, we didn't send out a letter to the patients. That's like a big no, no. So we talked to every patient when they came in.
1: There you go. So you're talking when they came in. Yeah. So did they already receive their letter from the insurance company that was saying that you were, you know, that you were the evil monster that you guys are because you're not in their plan? You, you know, know, I
0: have never had a patient tell me they ever
1: received a letter like that from an insurance company. Oh, that's great. Of course they do. Absolutely. They, they get it. Like when we get something and we send a treatment plan in for a pre-estimate or something. They always making negative comments about. Oh, you can get this done cheaper. You can get this done here or there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's never been been a problem for us.
0: I'm not saying now. The the only insurance company where we did lose a lot of people when we went um, unrestricted provider. I don't like to say out of network is Delta. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Delta, we lost a lot because they send the check to the patient, so the patient had to pay. For not all the deltas, not all the deltas. In fact, we've broken it down so we know when a new patient calls how to explain it, which way to explain it. Are we going to get the check or is the patient going to get the check? And we kind of let them know up front. Um, uh, We're trying to work on our wording. I have my new marketing company has us have phone training. And after 35 years, I said, we don't need phone training. Well, boy, was I wrong. We got the phone training. And that has also really increased the patients that are coming to us and not hanging up and accepting more treatment. So that's worked really well um so we, we know how to th- speak to the patients as far as the delta question if we call it the delta question um but we did lose patients in the beginning from with delta we definitely did mm-hmm. some of them came back you know some of them came back but we definitely lost some. but we do we get new patients with delta all the time
1: so so let me ask you this is your plan moving forward that you're going to be moving out of all networks or are you going to try to hold on to those two
0: not sure my career is going to last that long to be able to say that I'm, you know, I think I, I think it's a big, because I think we have about 700 patients. I say we have 3,000, but it may be 2,500, say between 2,500 and 3,000, say we have. I think we have about 700 Blue Cross patients. With Blue Cross, they also send the check to the yeah, patient.
1: check so goes to the patient, right?
0: And all the state employees and the teachers, they all have Blue Cross. So we would, I believe we would lose a lot of patients. if we went out with with blue cross now if i didn't want to have an associate or just have a part-time associate you know or i cut way back and left you, then we could probably do it
1: um let me I'm ask you this re- how, how much are you giving up in your fees with these with that insurance company
0: that insurance company is it's it's probably 50 cents on the dollar it's not so good
1: you lose half of those people you're you're even
0: I think we're going to lose more than half. I hate to say
1: it. Yeah, you, in our but, area. But, but you'll but you'll fill in with other people. You'll end up your two point two will be two point seven, and you'll be seeing less people. That's what most people have told me that have experienced that. Because now you now have the United Concordia problem.
0: That's the other. They, we don't have seven hundred with United Concordia. We have maybe three fifty. But United Concordia, most of them have no added network benefits, so we're going to lose them all. They're not that going to works. come to a dentist and have to pay a hundred percent when they can be going to Dr. Jones down the street who takes their insurance. So we would lose all those patients.
1: And how much are they paying you? Um, Probably a bigger hit than Blue Cross Blue Shield. No. Mm-mm. No? Not
0: right. I don't think so. No. Oh. Not right. um, but we do a lot of procedures that aren't covered by, you know, we do a lot of Invisalign, we do cosmetics. So, we you know we're making it up with with procedures that that aren't that aren't covered too
1: we're yeah. well i was just wondering because it's a different philosophy as you know and it's also you know you have a patient in room one on blue cross and you have a patient in room two who's on insurance x and you know your fee is different and their neighbors how come i don't pay anything how come she pays something that's I think it's hard to straddle that line and do both um, philosophically. I think it's tough. And it's got to be hard on the team, too, because it's, it's a little it's both sides of the fence. It's hard. It's hard. So I do. want
0: to tell you the idea that I came up with, because like sure. I said, we just went out with Cigna. Sure. So I think it was December 15th. So mm-hmm. the patients, some of them, a lot of most of them haven't even come in yet. Mm-hmm. So I did write a letter not to send out, but just to hand the patient in case they wanted to take something home to explain to a spouse or whatever. I did write a letter. And what I said in the letter is basically that we got a call or me, we got a letter from Cigna back in September and they cut our fees by 30%. And we do not want to cut the level of care that we provide you by 30%. Mm-hmm. So we've become a non-restrictive provider. Mm-hmm. Blah 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 blah. Um, you know, and I have actually said to some patients, you know, may not like this or may not believe it, but I, what I said to some of the patients were was, you know, if you went to work Monday and your boss told you that you were your paycheck was going to be thirty percent less, you know, you you wouldn't be happy. You'd have to move on, and we have to move on.
1: Well, you can also make them think about it. So, in order for us to see you. You, you know, we've, we're we going to have to, what are we going to use? We're going to use the cheap this or the, you know, the uncertified that or the, you know, the materials that aren't, you know, tech you know that aren't approval and, you know, ADA approved, et cetera, et cetera, so that we can lower our fees. Meanwhile, I hope you've shared with them the cost that you've been seeing increase with your PPE costs have gone up unless you guys have phenomenal situation. We have a pretty big office. So we get, we are able to, get pretty good pricing but it's not what it was we used to get level three masks pre-pandemic for three dollars a box
0: 2.99 we, so
1: did i before the pandemic now That's they said well, we, it's just come down to pre-pandemic prices i said you want to check that and we're paying about eight nine bucks a box so it's a, a seven eight something, somewhere in there so it's over double so don't don't tell me we're down to the three dollars because you're not you're not down to that number
0: and the same with the the
2: gloves are crazy right,
1: right. but you know we, we were on you know we kind of had rations so i had to search around to buy from other people not just my main supplier you know and and i never wanted to be ever you know in question so naturally we stocked up on the gloves and the masks et cetera. so but you know you take you add all that stuff up that adds up to every visit so i was told geez this is 15 probably about five years ago it's 35 dollars just to see the patient in the office typically And now you add all the other other intangibles that have gone up. It's probably, you know, it's probably close to double that, I would think. So,
0: so my my going back to the beginning, my key is that I really look at the schedule. I spend a lot of time looking at the schedule. And making sure that there's not too much time, not not enough time where we can put an emergency. I make sure that every hygiene patient, everyone, every patient is confirmed. I make sure that if my staff hasn't reached them, I'll text them for my cell phone if I have to. And we have every open, every slot is filled. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, then I'm not happy. Because I know if everyone has a patient in the chair, we are going to grow and we are going to do well. And mm-hmm. we do a lot of same day dentistry, a lot. Yep. out of hygiene.
1: I I, I don't know about yourself, but right now, I mean, we're recording this on January 16th, and I know that in the last week or two, we've seen with the rise of the COVID um, outbreak, we'll call it with Omicron, we've had a lot of drop and change and cancel or patient, you know, had a contact and they don't pass the questionnaire. So we've had a lot of spaces. We've had a lot of staff. We had seven dental assistants out last week with either close contact or positive confirmation so it's very hard to to pivot and navigate completely although we we do we're doing our best so it's been a real real challenge so
0: yes i you were you were having similar and maybe not as large a scale but yes i have had four employees one after thanksgiving one at from a christmas party and two after christmas not they didn't get it from anyone on my team they were with other people at these holiday gatherings Yeah. In fact, one hygienist worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday after Thanksgiving. So three full days seeing eight patients a day. Thursday at 5 a.m., she texts me. I just realized I have no sense of taste or smell. Yeah.
1: So, no, basically symptomless. Now, you know, I'm not my whole team is not fully vaccinated either. So some have elected not to take it. So that's another issue altogether.
0: Well, last August, I put my foot down because we had a near- Problem in the office. I was on vacation, and I called my attorney. I said, "Draw something up with dates. I want everybody vaccinated," and we got them all.
1: Yeah, I know it's not going to happen for us. So,
0: well, one one of them left, but mm-hmm. we weren't happy with her anyway. Um, and she didn't say that's why she left, but I'm sure that was a big, sure. big part of it. Um, but it's fine, you know, it all wasn't right. the right fit anyway. But every oh. now, I can't say that a hundred percent are boosted yet, but yeah. they've all had two vaccines.
1: Um, All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to start, I'm going to wrap this up a little bit and we are going to have you back. Cause we did talk about your recent article and we want to touch on the, the touch points, which we didn't get a chance to cover. So, um, there's so much going on in your world. We should probably keep going on that. We could probably fill another episode with that. So <laughs> let's, let me ask you this. This is a question I ask everybody on the end of the show. Uh, if you had the ability to go anywhere, anytime, any place, where would you go and why?
0: You mean to, to travel, you mean?
1: Well, you can go back to 1935. You can go back to 1602. You can oh, oh to I
0: thought you meant where would I like to go to travel? You mean where would I go in my lifetime?
1: Time travel. You can time travel back to any time, place, or event, or person, place, or thing. Like where? Believe would it or not, back? dental school. Really? Yes. That's an interesting answer. I now think I was the only person see. in my
0: class who really... I mean, it was hard. I I believe me, I, I struggle, but I, I would say dental school.
1: And, and you got to give us a couple pearls. Why? Because there's going to be people that just dropped and spit out their coffee. Just tell me why.
0: I love the people in my class. I love the people I met who were in the class above me and below me. I love my professors for the most part. I loved learning. Uh, I just love the environment. And um, it was a great, great time in my life.
1: You know what? Look at your background, it probably felt like you were back home again with all these dentists being surrounded by dentists and, and you were, you were so ingrained in the, in, in the field of dentistry that this is like you went home again. So that's pretty cool. All right, so I appreciate your time. We'll put up some information if you want to reach out to Dr. Joanne Dr. Reef. Um, do you go by Block Reef? What, what do you go by in, in your practice?
0: When I was with my father, I went by block because I grew up in Annapolis and people knew me by block, even sure. after I got married. I was I was still single when I graduated dental school. But then when I bought the practice in Owings Mills, Maryland, where my family lives and my kids go to school, they all knew me. My last name was Reef. So I go by Dr. Reeve. Some of them call me Dr. Block or Block Reef, but for the most part, it's Dr. Reef.
1: All right. If anybody wants to reach out to Dr. Reef, Joanne, please <laughs> do. We'll give you the information and Thank you very much. I appreciate it. We will have you back on and we will get some of those, get some of your articles out of you. Okay.
0: Thank you so much. This was really fun. It was great.
2: Thanks for listening to the fee for service dentist podcast. If you would like to share your fee for service story, please fill out our contact form at FFsdentistry.com. Also be sure to join our fee for service dentistry, Facebook group for help starting your dental membership plan visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation online. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.